0: It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. There are so many examples of where real life creates great art. There's going to be a play in the New Brunswick area called Becca that is a prime example of this. Becca's presented by Theatre New Brunswick and Théâtre Populaire d'Acadie. Moncton community reporter Natalie Fougere has some more details. Say good morning, Natalie. Good morning, Dave. So, Natalie, what's the inspiration behind Becca?
1: Well, so the inspiration behind it is that the play, it's kind of like a play documentary that's based on Rebecca Schofield, which was a teenager that was living in Riverview, New Brunswick, and she was battling a brain cancer. And... Instead of focusing on the negative of uh, her cancer, she decided to um, create a movement that was called Becca Told Me To. And this movement was actually uh, to uh, promote and for people to do acts of kindness and to go on social media and use that hashtag, Becca Told Me To. And that play is actually inspired around Rebecca and all the wonderful light that she brought into the world.
0: What are some of your memories around the Becca Told Me To movement?
1: Uh, Becca told me to. I'll always remember that every time, for example, that I would be in a drive-through, for example, and that the person would decide to pay for for me. I've had that happen a couple of times. That I went for a coffee, and the person in front of me had paid for me, and it was exactly because of that. It was to, to give back, to to pay for somebody else or just to do good deeds to help people and it was all around that Becca told me to so it was doing like in in Rebecca's honor.
0: Mm, yeah I like that kindness. What, what do you what do you think the the lessons can be learned here from the life of Rebecca Scofield?
1: Well, is that she never gave first of all that like around her life is that she never gave up no matter what happened and even if she uh, did end up uh, losing her battle that she really battled until the end and to focus on the positive and I guess the lesson to learn is that there's still light uh, that can be seen in these times where there's a lot of negative things mm. and a lot of darkness going on that we can still see some light and that there's still good people around to do acts of kindness
0: Theatre New Brunswick and Théâtre Populaire d'Acadie are collaborating on this one to make it a bilingual play what do you think of that approach?
1: i think that is such an excellent approach being bilingual myself i think it's very it's very important and it's a great idea because uh, really the original uh, behind that the original idea is that uh, because parents like a her mom was from northern New Brunswick and her father was from southern New Brunswick. So they decided to put both cultures together and uh, to have it in both French and English. And if someone can only understand one language, especially on the visual uh, point of view, there's going to be surtitles that will be, pre- uh, that'll be um, uh, uh, presented like if someone speaks in English, it'll be written in French and vice versa
0: tnb.nb.ca slash Becca. There's going to be a bunch of shows across the province throughout the month of February. So the website, again, is tnb.nb.ca slash Becca. Okay, from arts and culture to food. Natalie, you came across a service here called Sisgrainable that's all about upcycling food items, especially when it comes to Baking mixes and barley flour. Natalie, who's behind this? This first of all, this great pun, cisgrainable.
1: So, cisgrainable has been created by two co-founders that both live in D.C. It's um, Mark Wandler and Clinton Bishop. And uh, what's uh, very wonderful about that is that they both have a different set of skills that can be brought together. So it really promotes partnership. So uh, one of them has uh, like grown up on a farm, on a barley farm, and he takes care of the day-to-day operations. And the other one is is responsible for all the great ideas, like for all the different things of of how to uh, get it going. So these two co-founders got together and had the values of having something that was healthy and also environmentally friendly at the same time, so it promotes recycling, and at the same time, it's a very very healthy and uh, delicious food.
0: Natalie, I'm a uh, city boy through and through, not a lot of time on barley farms. I, I need your help and guidance here. What's spent grain?
1: Yes, so this was actually a new concept for me as well. I actually just recently heard about it. Is that when beer is crafted, and um, once uh, like the grain that's um, uh, uh, left over from when they uh, make the beer, uh, it's uh, it it consider it's um, represents a lot of the uh, food waste. So there's a lot of that grain that's actually wasted, and that uh, what they what grainable does is that they take these grain which is actually the healthiest uh, part of it It, it's a very healthy because it's high in fiber and uh, protein as well Uh, they take that grain and then they they process it and um, put some uh, baking mixes together how do
0: you think this fits into the bigger picture of food waste and food sustainability
1: i think that if there'd be more concepts like that, there's less food that would be wasted. And at the same time, if people can get the health benefits of, uh, of having these foods, uh, th- I guess the, and apparently the initial, uh, the initial goal was for people who are diabetic. So if it can improve the health at the same time, plus uh, um, reduce a lot of the food waste, uh, that's a win-win situation really.
0: Natalie, you are someone who is naturally something of a joiner. So you found out about Suscrainable. Have you tried any of their products yet?
1: I have. I actually ended up ordering the banana bread mix and the oh, um, oh, pancake waffle mm, mix. Mm. <laughs> And it's so good. They're both very delicious. They also have a chocolate chip cookie mix that I still have yet to try.
0: Oh, oh my gosh, banana bread and uh, waffles. Like now we're really talking my language over here. <laughs> Natalie, I didn't have a very big breakfast this morning. What are you doing to me? What are you doing to me, Natalie? Uh, okay, I'm going to give the <laughs> points of contact here: susgrainable.com. Susgrainable.com. I'm going to spell it for y'all because, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a pun here. S U S. G-R-A-I-N-A-B-L-E, suscrainable.com. I love this pun so, so much. All right, Natalie, we've done a little bit of culture, a little bit of food, but now you want to talk a little bit about a personal story about your recent diagnosis of sleep apnea. What were some of the challenges you were facing leading up to the diagnosis?
1: So within the last few years, I was having more and more trouble sleeping, especially when it came to falling asleep. It could take me maybe like almost two hours uh, to fall asleep. So I was wondering what was going on and why that every time I was trying to fall asleep, I would get kind of like brutally awoken, like I would jump and Mm -hmm. then I would get out of breath, right? So I was noticing that I was kind of stopping breathing. So what I decided to do... um, And I left it hanging on there for a while. I should have done this earlier, but I ended up in October, I went to my family doctor and uh, I took, uh, I I was able to take the sleep apnea test. And my goodness, did I ever have it? It was very severe. In one of the hours of the test, I'd stopped breathing 173 times, I believe. Oh my
0: gosh. Oh my gosh.
1: Yes. So it was very severe and I was very, very hesitant. Uh, until almost the last minute, I did not want to uh, uh, use the CPAP machine. I didn't want to try it before I got these results, of course. <laughs> I had a fear because of uh, things I had heard in the past of how noisy it could be and how, how very inconvenient it could be. And uh, once I heard these results, I decided that if I had no choice <laughs> but to try it out. So uh, they let me try it. Not only is it Uh, smaller and barely makes any noise but it's very it's also very like accessible and easy to use Mm.
0: how's how's your how's your sleep been since you since you actually started using it
1: my sleep has been so uh, wonderful like uh, compared to before i sleep a lot more solid and another one of my symptoms before i had a lot of daytime sleepiness like i could be just randomly randomly in the middle of watching something or being somewhere and i just kind of doze off like i'd be very and now i barely have that happen it's very rare i feel a lot more energized and it's so it, it was really a blessing for me to uh, to have that machine right now
0: Natalie, I have been accused of uh, snoring like a chainsaw from uh, people in my life, and a few folks have actually suggested to me that maybe I should get myself checked out for some sleep apnea uh, due to some of that snoring. Uh, but similar to yourself, I may be a little bit hesitant. So what's some of your advice to people like me, who are sometimes overly hesitant to seek out assistance or treatment for a medical issue?
1: That's totally understandable because I I was accused of being a chainsaw myself in the last uh, few years. Uh, And it's it's actually something that can be very scary, but I'm telling anyone here, uh, just to take that... uh, um, just to take that step and get tested to at least know, because if it's mild, then a person can decide, but sometimes we never know. It can actually be very severe and can lead to very serious um, health conditions. So compared to what it can do, and it can bring so many benefits and the machine is really not at all as, as scary as what I thought it would be. So I encourage everyone to do it and get tested if there's any questioning about it.
0: Yeah, Natalie, the hot take to come out of this conversation is that breathing and sleeping are important. I think we can agree on that.
1: Very much so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Natalie, thank you for this. Have a lovely day. Thank you so
1: much. You as well.
0: That's Moncton community reporter, Natalie Fougere. In one minute, Laura Bain has an entertainment report for you. But first, Walmart is adding budget TV brands to their shelves. Mike Debusky tunes in for another edition of Tech Trends.
2: When you think of Walmart, your mind might not immediately jump to TVs, but maybe it should, says Digital Trends' Phil Nickinson. Hey, when I think of Walmart, I think of everything, and and TVs are very much a part of that. This week, Walmart paid $2.3 billion to acquire Vizio, the TV manufacturer that's invested heavily in its software in recent years. They now have their own home screen. They now have their own operating system. They now have their own fast channel, their own ad-supported channel, so you can go watch all sorts of TV on your Vizio TV. Nickinson says the ad revenue and user data collected by those systems is likely what interested Walmart, which already makes its own line of TVs. Walmart didn't buy Vizio for the hardware. They didn't buy Vizio, a television manufacturer, for the televisions. It looks like they bought Vizio for the Smartcast operating system and for all the data for the advertising and, and for the information about what people are watching. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike DeBusky, ABC News.
0: Thank you very much, Mike. There's- there's going to be some new content available for you to watch on your Vizio Walmart TV. Laura Bain, Lawn Order Toronto debuts tonight. Oh, someone's got Laura on mute. Either we have Laura on mute or Laura has Laura on mute.
3: Oh, sorry about there we that. Got. I think all that was good. me that did that. That's
0: okay. That's alright. Hey, listen, <laughs> it's four years into the pandemic and we're still working with the mute buttons.
3: <laughs> I have never claimed to be the most tech savvy, but... Um... Um, yeah, you know, Dave, there's a lot of filming that happens in Toronto. We had a conversation recently about it actually being voted the best city to live in as a film and television worker. But some of the buzz around this show has to do with Toronto really getting to play itself and shine as Toronto, not as a double for another city. And um, people can expect that this show features a largely Canadian cast and production team. And Rogers has actually called the show its biggest investment in Canadian original programming to date. Mm. Mm. So the first season, as you mentioned, which airs tonight, has 10 episodes. And each episode is inspired by a real Canadian news headline, although names and details have been changed. And of course, there's a lot of creative license. I think it could be kind of a fun game to try and figure out uh, if you know what news headline inspired the episode mm, and i'm mm. thinking with your job you would be very good at that game oh uh- You know what? I I am
0: not on the crime beat all that hard. If if there's one area where I'm not the uh, most news junkie, it's certainly on like the true crime or the crime beat. I I just don't find it Mm. particularly interesting. Uh, But that said, I used to love Law and Order, like the actual original Law and Order before it became Law and Order acronym after acronym after acronym. I used to love like the old school Law and Order.
3: Oh, yeah, me me too. I, I haven't really kept up with the show, but I definitely was a fan. Now, what we know is that this first episode is going to be de- based on the mysterious death of Gerald Cotton. I don't know if you're familiar with that case. He was the CEO of Quadrica, Canada's largest cryptocurrency enterprise. Um, but for example in the show the company's called Bigaplex <laughs> so, okay. Okay. <laughs> and there's you know details changed about kind of how it how it plays out but um, you know we can expect to see some differences from the American version of the show for example a different portrayal of police that reflects some of the conversations that have happened in Toronto around policing so less glorification of kind of police breaking down doors to get the quote unquote bad guy and more sensitivity to racialized police violence um, so that's very interesting and also we can expect to see less guns in the show of course because Canada has different mm-hmm. gun control mm-hmm. laws than they do in New York City and we can also expect to see Toronto's multiculturalism on display we know the first episode shot scenes in Little India Chinatown and Toronto's Yacht Club so it was- <laughs> all over the place (laughs) um but uh you know this kind of has me thinking dave i i think i would watch this partly just for the location the fact that it is shot in toronto although i'm also fascinated with new york where law and order is typically based but do you ever watch things mainly for the location
0: that's a really good question. Would I watch something because it's based in Toronto? Probably not. That said, if it was based in Montreal, if it was Law and Order Montreal, you might get me a little bit more interested. But it's it's because of the affinity for the city, right? Um, there's a there's a show called I believe it's called family law that's based in Vancouver, that I sometimes watch with my parents when I'm visiting them. And I love the way that Vancouver, BC is represented and the Vancouver area is represented. It's just such a gorgeous texture for the show. And if it was something like, I've got an affinity for the city, same thing for Montreal. I, I don't think that Toronto would do it, but I think more generally to your question, It can definitely influence what I would watch. Uh, You heard Amy Amante reference uh, White Lotus in her film, in her uh, series review earlier in the hour. And that was a show that just beautifully featured Hawaii. Right. And I, and I Mm -hmm. think about a film like Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which I watched because it was funny, but I always think about the visual aesthetic of Hawaii.
3: Oh yeah. I mean, I would, I would like that as well. And there's a show a shot in Halifax called Digstown. That it's a great show, but it's also just very cool to see familiar, like familiar locations. And I will defend myself and say that I, I watch Emily in Paris primarily because I just love to see Paris, and not necessarily for the storylines. Yeah. <laughs> um, I- it's but, but, best thing to a travel show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but, you know, sometimes I do think about regional authenticity, and, I, and I'm not sure mm-hmm. that Toronto needs more stories told about it, but I think about a mm-hmm. show that is representative or used to be representative of your neck of the woods, at least to a certain degree, Trailer Park Boys, right? I used to mm-hmm. love that show because it felt very Atlantic Canadian. It's one of the reasons why so many people connected to Letter Kenny as a show because it really feels like small-town Ontario. So I do like it when places, can be part of the regional storytelling in an authentic Mm -hmm. way.
3: Mm -hmm. And it sounds like they've really made an attempt to do that with... This show. So, you know, as we've said, the first episode airs tonight on City TV. It's at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, in terms of streaming options, if you want to do that, you're going to have to buy the City TV Plus add on with Amazon Prime, although there is a free seven day subscription. You can do that if anyone's just really keen to check it out. Of course, you have to remember to cancel it if you want to. That's always my problem. And the show has not been picked up by any American broadcasters, which is sort of unfortunate it would be nice to see that two-way flow of mm-hmm. content
0: mm-hmm. we watch your SU, svu you watch our law and <laughs> yes. order toronto uh laura thank you for this have a lovely day talk to you to uh, not talk to you tomorrow talk to you next week
3: yes that's right thanks dave
0: that's laura bain at the entertainment desk coming up after the break it was a uh... Big night for Toronto Maple Leafs forward Austin Matthews. Brock Richardson will break it down as part of the sports chat. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI TV. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv.
3: The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.